A panel rules that a partner in the 78 mega development stiffed investors, making another legal issue for the European company that teamed up with Related Midwest on the South Loop project, one of five sites in the running for a casino. And I'll talk with David Manilow for restaurant recommendations in the northwest suburbs. I'm a born and raised Chicago guy. And, you know, you can get into a kind of a city snobbery, right? And, you know, and just like, not, nah, I don't want to drive. I don't want to this. I don't want to that. Sure. It opened my eyes. I mean, I've been to a lot of Italian restaurants. You know, that Osteria truly was really, really good. Mm-hmm. A lot of these really good places with good food are open for lunch. Where in the city, a lot of really known restaurants you go to, just they're not open for lunch. So you're either doing dinner, whether you can get in, whether you can't. I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist for Wednesday, February 9th. In these uncertain times, it's important to have people you trust by your side. When 11,000 local business owners needed a Paycheck Protection Program loan, they turned to their Wintrust banker to secure funding because that's a relationship they can count on. Businesses are navigating some of the biggest challenges they will ever face. Wintrust is here to answer their calls. They'll answer yours, too. Start the conversation at Wintrust.com slash Daily Gist. Member FDIC. It's time for my weekly conversation with David Manilow about dining. And this week, you are responding to a listener comment we had, a request that came in about dining in the northern suburbs. And you have risen to that occasion. Tell me what you found. And the request was really more the northwest suburbs, which is is interesting. So first of all, thank you for whoever sent that in because I really had a great time and I ate really, really well. But here's something that like, I've kind of always known but I now find that it's truer than ever. In Chicago, like we are blessed, we have incredible restaurants right in the city, like just about anything you can find. But I think in the Northwest suburbs, there is one type of food that is actually better there than it is in the city. Okay. Japanese food. All right. Because there's more actually uh, Japanese folks that live in the Northwest suburbs than live in the city of Chicago. So you have these really authentic, genuine Japanese restaurants. What I did is rather than just guess, there's an old friend of mine named Kimiyo Naka, who was from Okinawa. She grew up there. And she kind of sent me to a bunch of places, and they were all fantastic. And I will start with one that I just didn't expect, because when somebody says go to Elk Grove Village, I, I, I don't spend any time in Elk Grove Village. Sure. Other than maybe getting lost to go to the airport. Going to the airport, right. <laughs> right. That's about it. And so I, she sent me to Kurumaya which is just a little basic, you know, restaurant in a strip mall in uh, Elk Grove Village. And it opens at 11 o'clock. I got there right when it opened. I sat in the parking lot like for five or 10 minutes just so I wouldn't be the absolute right at the moment. So I got in there at about 11.10. By 11.45, it was full. Okay. This is like on a Wednesday or Tuesday. That's a good sign. The first thing I had was a takoyaki. Takoyaki is like octopus dumplings. They're known as just Japanese street food. So fantastic. Then I had a katsudan. Katsu is, you know, it's kind of like breaded pork. I've had breaded pork 8,000 times. Yeah. So much better than anyone I've ever had. Like, I was going to bring it home for my teenager. But you ate it. And I'm like, (laughs) I totally ate it. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) So my next stop was in Des Plaines. And even though it's in displays, it's called Chicago Ramen. There's a lot of ramen restaurants in the city and in the suburbs. This is done by this guy named Chef Kenta, and he trained in Tokyo. 
And then he opened up a ramen restaurant in Los Angeles that got grave reviews. And he did that for like seven years. And then he moved his family to Chicago. This also was like eye-opening, mind-blowing, tremendous. Besides ramen, they serve a type of ramen called sukiman. It's T-S-U-K-E-M-E-N, which they cook for 19 hours. And they do it with the thing called charsu, which is pork. And it was also fabulous. Now that, I didn't eat all of it and I brought some of it home. So I shared with the family the next day. So amazing. Now, I will say one thing. Like I've been to Tokyo and Kyoto and it is like my favorite food. It's, you know, because I just think it's very pristine. There's a real attention to detail and quality. So I gravitate toward Japanese food too. Another place, which is in Mount Prospect, which I really like, is called Izakaya Sankyu. It's S-A-N-K-U. But they have sushi and much more. And next door to that in Mount Prospect is a place called Summertime, which is really nice too. And it's a, it actually has live music. Oh, okay. And one other thing before we get into the non-Japanese restaurants, which I really appreciate about the Northwest suburbs, and I think a lot of suburbs in general, is a lot of these really good places with good food are open for lunch. Mm-hmm. Where in the city, a lot of really known restaurants you go to, just they're not open for lunch. So you're either doing dinner, whether you can get in, whether you can't. Here's one I would add, if I may add to your expertise here. It is a grocery store, the Mitsua Marketplace, right there in that area in the Northwest suburbs, And there is a food court in there, and it is delicious. The first time I went was with a group of people, and they were like, you don't understand how good this food is. I was like, we're going to a food court, really? No, no, no. So very delicious and very inexpensive food and very fresh and very good. Plus, you have this amazing market all around you, too, to get to it. I've been there. You are 100% right. And you can have a little bit of everything there, which is great. Definitely. Okay. Other restaurants that you went to in the Northwest Burbs? And Dwyer from Cranes suggested an Italian restaurant in Arlington Heights called Osteria Truly. So I went there for lunch. When I got there, I was the first person there. And the chef was actually in the corner kind of working on his menu, which was great. There was one server there, and I think there was a cook in the back. And I had a chicken and barley soup, which was really wonderful. You could actually taste the barley, which is not, I'm not used to. And then I had literally the best lasagna I've ever had in my life. Whoa, big claim. Yes, right. And I've had a lot of lasagna. It was excellent. I have not been there for dinner. They specialize in, you know, homemade pastas, uh, seafood. And Chef Giovanni is from Puglia. The heel of the boot. Heel of the boot. Yeah. Obviously, um, seafood-centric as well. If we move to, like, Glenview, uh, I had been going to Cafe Lucci uh, for years, which is like a really good Italian kind of steaks and chops place run by Bobby and Augie Arifi. They have a really good wine list. Mm-hmm. In Northbrook, Prairie Grass Cafe by Chef Sarah Stegner and Joram Bambaras. They've kind of been doing farm to table before it was called farm to table. I think they opened in, in, you know, 2003. They do a really, really nice job. Also open for lunch. Okay. And a place that I've been going to forever and ever is Charlie Beinlich's, which specializes in basically cheeseburgers and shrimp cocktail. They may have something else on the menu. I, I think they do. But it's been open since 1950. And that's a place you can go for lunch or dinner. You know, cheeseburgers are controversial. Everybody kind of seems to have their favorite if they're a cheeseburger person. This is one of mine. Let's see. If we move back to Mount Prospect, Culinarnia. Culinarnia? Say that three times fast. <laughs> I, it's, it's hard. It's Culinarnia, and that is uh, modern Polish food, okay. which is also very good. And it's kind of Polish food that you you know would relate to and know. And I think they just 
jazz it up a little bit, make it a little bit healthier. Nice folks, nice people. In Des Plaines, I'm just a sucker for Boston Fish Market, which is, <laughs> have you ever been to Boston Fish Market? No, I haven't. Okay, so it's more of really a, a warm weather place than a uh, not. It's basically a tiny market of fish, but in the summer, they have a patio that seats like, you know, 125 people. And the guy who owns it owns boats all over the world, apparently, that provide seafood to restaurants everywhere, including Chicago. Wow. Okay. It's right near O'Hare. He's getting fish, you know, that was caught yesterday, right? And just sent in all kinds of great stuff. So that's really worth going to. Did you do all this in one day? Sounds like I you. Did not do it in one day. <laughs> so I've been to Boston Fish Market a bunch of times. I've been Killian. I'm not going to say the Polish place again. Uh, and uh, uh, I did do. Um, I did do the first um, Japanese restaurant in Elko Grove Village, and then Chicago Ramen the same day. And I was doing my best to just try to be polite, but t I told them like five times, "I'm just coming from lunch, so please, I'm not. I'm just not going to be able to eat all this." Uh, so I took it home, and it was really great the next day. Um, but um, uh, it, it was that, that they they specialize in this tsukemen noodle dish, uh, which is just really really worth uh, going out and trying. Thank you for trekking all over the Northwest Burbs. I feel like there's a, a lot we all need to go and eat there. If any of you listening would like David to check out any other places around the Chicagoland area, the hotline, you can leave a voicemail, 773-636-4808, or you can find either one of us on social media. That's probably the easiest way to go. Just send a tweet to one of us. We're both all over. Absolutely. All over social media. You know, I'm a born and raised Chicago guy. And, you know, you can get into a kind of a city snobbery, right? And, you know, and just like, nah, I don't want to drive. I don't want to this. I don't want to that. Sure. It opened my eyes. I mean, I've been to a lot of Italian restaurants. You know, that Osteria truly was really, really good. And I would like to look forward to going back to it. And same with the, a, a bunch of the Japanese restaurants. It's really, really good. And there's great Japanese restaurants and, of course, Italian restaurants in Chicago, too. But it was weird because I have a little flexibility. So lunch wasn't too hard. It was probably 30 minutes to drive out there. And for me to go to the West Loop to lunch could take me that long to find parking if I chose to go that route. It was, it was really worthwhile doing. And next week, I think we're going to try to do Bronzeville and kind of the surrounding areas around there, because I think there's a little bit of a resurgence that's happening or just about to happen. Excellent. Okay. Well, everybody get excited for Bronzeville. We will meet back here next week. Thanks so much, David. Thanks, Amy. Coming up, what the Frontier and Spirit merger means for O'Hare and Midway. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Cranes Academy is excited to announce our next session of executive education programming, Equity Leadership, taking place in Chicago on March 10th and 11th. Cranes Academy Equity Leadership will guide executives through diversity, equity, and inclusion strategies and activation, driving organizational change and growth. The session will address key considerations in developing a rich DEI strategy and implementing initiatives for your organization. For more information, visit cranesacademy.com. I'm Cranes reporter A.D. Quigg, and you're listening to Cranes Daily Gist with Amy Guth. 
General Mediterranean Holdings, a European company that has controlled the site of the 78 mega development project since 2006, owes $2.9 million to three early investors in the property. That according to an arbitration panel that ruled GMH went back on a deal to include them in future development of the site. The decision isn't likely to disrupt the project, but the company already has some image issues, dating back to when its founder, chairman, and CEO was convicted in France in 2003 for accepting kickbacks. The company's also now 0-2 in court cases tied to the 78 property, losing a federal lawsuit in 2015 filed by another investor in the site who alleged that the firm stiffed him out of $13 million. In a third suit filed in 2020, a different group of investors in the South Loop parcel accused GMH of paying them nothing and not including them in the development. The 78, located on a 62-acre site south of Roosevelt Road on the east side of the north branch of the river, is one of the most ambitious real estate projects in the city's history. With an estimated cost of $7 billion or maybe even more, Crane's Danny Ecker reports that the project would include thousands of homes and millions of square feet of office space and is one of five sites on the city's shortlist for a casino that would be operated by Rush Street Gaming. Regulators are taking steps to guard U.S. aviation industry engineers from the kind of company pressure that was revealed in investigations of the design flaw on the Boeing 737 MAX linked to two fatal crashes. On Monday, the FAA proposed new policies that would shield workers at Boeing and other plane makers who act on behalf of the federal government to review safety, including would-be whistleblowers. The proposal addresses one of the most controversial issues to emerge from the MAX crashes in 2018 and 2019 that killed 346 people. And that was that it wasn't FAA employees, but Boeing's own engineers who approved the final design of the system on the jet at fault in the crashes. Crane's sister publication, Automotive News, reports that Cars.com plans to acquire AccuTrade, a provider of vehicle appraisal and valuation data and logistics technology to launch online vehicle acquisition capabilities. Chicago-based Cars.com said Tuesday it has signed an agreement to purchase 100% of AccuTrade's assets, which includes Galve's market data and made logistics for $65 million in cash. The company said it expects for the deal to close in about a month and that it will pay an earnout of $63 million based on performance. The company said AccuTrade's technology, including an instant guaranteed offer tool and VIN-based vehicle valuation and appraisal information, will be integrated across Cars.com's online vehicle listings, marketplace, and dealership websites. Frontier and Spirit Airlines, two of the discount airlines serving Chicago, are aiming to merge. Spirit and Frontier both serve O'Hare, but they operate from different locations. Spirit's at Terminal 3, while Frontier is at the International Terminal 5. Frontier is currently in the process of moving a lot of its operations from O'Hare to Midway in April. And after the move, it plans to serve Orlando, Cancun, the Dominican Republic, and Puerto Rico, all from O'Hare. The Chicago Department of Aviation said in a statement that it's too early to discuss changes for the two airlines' operations at O'Hare, but as Crane's John Pletz reports, if Frontier stays at Midway, the combined carrier would be better positioned to compete with Southwest Airlines, which right now makes up more than 90% of Midway's flights. Can two discount carriers fly cheaper as one? That's the plan behind the merger of Frontier and Spirit. Both discount carriers serve Chicago, and the deal ultimately could result in more cheap flights. DePaul University professor Joe Schwederman says the two carriers could add more international flying to Mexico and the Caribbean from Chicago. But they'll have to navigate some logistical challenges first. 
Spirit and Frontier operate from different terminals at O'Hare. Frontier is planning to do most of its flying out of Midway starting in April, which would give the merged airline the ability to compete with Southwest, which also serves both of the city's airports. The two carriers also could become stronger and more profitable together, which would give them muscle to take on Southwest, United, and American. In the face of rising costs for fuel and labor, they'll need any advantage they can get. If the merger goes through, Frontier executives say they plan to ramp up the pace of operations, moving aircraft more quickly, which could give them the ability to add more flights in markets like Chicago, even if they don't get more gates. Spirit and Frontier are relatively small players at O'Hare, with a combined schedule of about 25 flights a day, according to city data. By contrast, United Airlines is operating about 400 flights a day, and American Airlines just over 300. The combined Spirit Frontier airline would be the fifth largest U.S. carrier, with about $5 billion in revenue, though that's still a fraction of the major carriers, such as United, which had $25 billion in revenue last year. Spirit and Frontier don't have a lot of overlap, so the combination is unlikely to result in service cutbacks. Frontier says the $2.9 billion merger would result in about $500 million in annual savings and revenue for the combined company. That's Crane's Daily Just for Now. Check in on our continuous news feed at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks so much to today's guest, David Manilow. You can follow all of our conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your audio on demand. Please subscribe and don't forget to rate and review Crane's Daily Gist. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here next time. Crane's Audio Studio presents... Four Star Stories, Bronzeville. Is that gap between South Loop and Hyde Park. And everybody remembers that in between that gap was the projects, was violent crimes. Reported by Dennis Rodkin. Bronzeville is Chicago's what? This is a Green Line train. In Bronzeville, we like to talk about being unapologetically African-American. Once known as the Black Metropolis, Bronzeville is being reshaped by a construction boom that is revitalizing thousands of vacant lots. Home prices have soared to levels that buyers and sellers, even less than a decade ago, could never have imagined. But some questions remain. Can this be done in a new way without forcing out longtime residents? And can it be done with respect for what's been there, including a deep reservoir of Black community and achievement? To create a new Bronzeville that welcomes others, but that is still very clearly the heart of this unique Midwestern Black experience. Four Star Stories, Bronzeville, in three chapters. Download and follow us wherever you get your podcasts.